to share a message with you this morning that I call Bubble World. We are living in a bubble world where everybody has found themselves in their own bubble. We're becoming separated as a people, separated as groups, separated out as a culture. All of us living in our safe little bubbles and those bubbles of influence and understanding. What do I mean by a bubble? It means creating your own world of isolation and reality. And most of us are being pressed into this, creating our own realities. We're sitting in a room right now where we're separated by some seats, but there's far more that separates us. Unfortunately, even in the church, there's so much separation between what we believe is real and true and our understanding of COVID and our understanding of finance and our understanding of life. We all have our own little bubbles that are being created. They're called filter bubbles. We find ourselves in a filter bubble anytime we're only surrounded by views and opinions that we agree with. We're sheltered from opposing perspectives. Filter bubbles distort our understanding of the world and hamper our ability to make balanced decisions. We reinforce what we believe by only those opinions that we agree with. And we isolate even further in our bubble. Let me take you to a, a story where this happened in a great prophet's life. His name was Elijah. Elijah had a great battle with the prophets of Baal, 450 of them. And Israel was following Baal worship. And Elijah brought forth in prayer a drought to the land because according to the law, if there is sin in the land, God will bring a drought. This causes the people to reach back towards God. Elijah had a showdown with these prophets. They were going to worship their god, Baal, and see what he would do. And Elijah would worship Yahweh, and they would see what Yahweh would do. So the prophets of Baal put a sacrifice out, and they cried out to Baal, and they offered, cut themselves and the thing. And the whole time Elijah taunts them and ridicules them. And then finally he says, now it's time for Yahweh to show up. And he says, bring barrels of water and pour them on the sacrifice, which is really a risky thing to do during a drought. It's been three years and there's no water, and he's wasting it on that sacrifice. Or was he wasting it? God's the God of water, heaven, earth, fire. He pours it on so he could prove that God is greater than the drought, greater than the situation or a loss of water or anything else. He calls down to the God of Elijah to bring fire and Fire comes from heaven and consumes the sacrifice immediately. The people turn back to Yahweh and say, he's God. And Elijah kills the 450 prophets. And then in 1 Kings chapter 19, he gets a, a, a letter. Well, a messenger comes from Queen Jezebel and says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And Elijah freaks out. And Elijah leaves his people, leaves his servant, and runs away and isolates in a bubble. His worldview was shifted now from understanding who God is after this amazing victory. How many of you know you've got to be very careful after a great victory, you've got to watch for the enemy to come in? Because we, we 
have to realize that God is great, but somehow we, we think everything's taken care of. And, and when we're not watching, the enemy comes in. And so he, he went away. He isolated himself. He now believed the report of Jezebel instead of the report of God. I mean, he's the one that just proved to Israel that God is real. But somehow he got his eyes off of God. This is the prophet of God. And he got his eyes on Jezebel. Jezebel created such fear in him that Elijah went under a juniper tree or a broom tree and sat there and the angel came and fed him and encouraged him because Elijah was going to go back to headquarters and resign. What are headquarters? Mount Horeb. Another, another name for it, Mount Sinai. It's where God met Moses in the burning bush. Elijah's going back there and he's handing in his resignation. I'm done. And so the angel feeds him because he's got a 40-day journey to get there. And what happens is Elijah forms an opinion about life, an opinion about his ministry, an opinion about everything around him and his identity. His worldview is now shaped by Jezebel, not the word of God. He's gripped with fear and alarm. He left his servant behind. He's overwhelmed with depression and despair. Things couldn't get worse. He's presumptuous and unwise. He says, I'm the only one in Israel that cares about you. Everybody else bowed their knee to Baal. I'm the only one. They all want to kill me. He was filled with self-pity, and he doubted God. He had insulated himself from the situation when he just had a great victory. It wasn't the reality that was present. God had a plan. Elijah was part of it. But in the midst of it, something got hold of him. He retreated and put himself in a bubble. Until God said, I have 7,000 that have not yet bowed a knee. God had to change his understanding of the situation. He had to bring the truth to him because if left to himself, Elijah would have quit right there. Elijah said, I wish I was dead. That's pretty bad, isn't it? He was suicidal. He wanted to quit his ministry. He wanted to quit everything. God asked him when he got to Mount Horeb, why are you here? How did you get here? How did you get to this place? And it's a great question to ask the church. To ask us, how did I get here? Why am I in such a place of isolation? Why am I believing what I'm believing? It reminds me of another situation. How many of you remember the church at Laodicea? Laodicea, the church at Laodicea was racking, man. That was a popular church. It had a huge edifice. It was built big. It was rich. It was luxurious. They thought they had everything. They had put themselves in the church bubble of their day. And Jesus said, you say. Now he's quoting them. 
So the church at Laodicea says, we are rich, we are prosperous, yes. We don't need anything. We have made it. We are on the rock star church circuit. We are popular. You can get our merchandising as you walk out. Laodicea rocks, yeah. And so they were in the bubble of self-deception, weren't they? In their community and in their society, everything looked good. But Jesus said this, you're not realizing that you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. This is not how they saw themselves. How did they get there? How did they get to such a belief system under God? Meeting every week to call upon the name of the Lord. How did they get to such a place where what their opinion of themselves was, was completely opposite of who they were in Christ? Jesus said, I've tasted you. You're not hot or cold. You're the same temperature of the culture you live in. That's living in a bubble. That's a problem. That's what I mean by a bubble world. If left to themselves, the Laodicean church would have blindly continued in a failed ministry. And so, where are we at? Popular Christian author named Joel Rosenberg said this, the American church is so filled with false teaching, heresy, apostasy, entertainment, apathy, and spiritual drift that the number one problem facing America is a weak church. We think our problem is our two-party system. We think our problem is our science that has now gone crazy. We think our problem is a medical community. We think our problem is COVID. We think our problem is this and that in this nation. And we're all looking for a political leader, a medical leader, an economic leader, some kind of change in our culture to fix this. When the only remedy for this culture is a church that believes in Jesus Christ and preaches him. This is what the church must concentrate on. Jesus and the word of God. Not the bubble of our culture that we're living in. And I'm here to, as your pastor, warn you and encourage you to take care in what you're listening to. Please. I'm struggling with people who are listening to so many odd groups and information and conspiracies and, and so forth that people are in trouble. And they're not getting their information from the Word of God. They're getting it from, quote, preachers and apostles and prophets who are feeding them stuff that's out here based on the culture. We're more interested in who's going to get reelected in three more years than what Jesus wants. I'm begging you, please, please be careful. 
What we're in is a situation that has never existed on this planet before. It's a bubble world of algorithms. The subtlety of lies being reinforced over and over and over again by your phones, your computers, your media, Facebook, whatever you pay attention to. It's based on algorithms, and this is feeding into our brains. Social media companies rely on algorithms in such a way that it's insidious, subtle, and subliminal. Algorithms create a unique universe of information for each of us, which fundamentally alters the way we encounter ideas and information. What are algorithms? It is the way your computer on your phone, on your Facebook, on your media is established and set up. It reads what you want to get from it and then puts it out to you and reinforces it continually. The problem with this is you begin to live in an information bubble. And all your news and information is shaped for your interest and for your purpose. And that is trouble. That is trouble. Your computer monitor is a kind of one-way mirror reflecting your own interests while algorithms watch and record what you click on. So this is what's happening to us. Most of us are getting our information, even our Christian information, and our word studies from our phones and everything else. Instead of reading the word of God and studying and praying and talking to other believers. It's a th three-step model to what's going on. Number one, identify who you are and what you like. So your phone, your device, whatever you're using, is getting to know you. It learns who you are, it learns what you view, and it begins to build a record of that. It provides content then and services that fit your views. You can have a conversation. As a matter of fact, my phone's on right now. After the service today, there will be ads and information based on what it just heard me speak. How many of you have had that experience? This thing is designed to reflect your desires to get you back in it and on it again. Then it will fine-tune it to get the right fit just for you, and then it will produce all the information that you want. Not that you need, but what you want. So let me give you an example. If, if we were talking about British Petroleum right now, BP, the gas station, right? British Petroleum. If I were to look it up, uh, someone else might look it up. Depending on your algorithms and your interests, one person could look up BP and the number of articles that would show up would be those based on how to invest in the company because maybe you're interested in investments and banking and so forth and it sees your financial stuff. Someone else looking up the same thing, just looking up BP, would look up into and what their uh, information and news would come back to them as a recent oil spill that the oil company had covered up. So we're looking up same words and information, but we're getting the information back based on what our interests are. What's wrong with that? You're not getting the full view. And so 
if you're into one particular issue, it will flood everything back slanted to that issue. And we're all in separate bubbles. We're all living independently from that. Your identity shapes your media. And the media shapes your identity. Are you getting this? This has never happened in world history before. Something's in your brain. Something's in your mind. And it's being fed continually. Elijah was the prophet of God. Elijah knew God, knew his voice, saw his power, saw his miracle work, and because Jezebel got into his head, he left everything he knew and was ready to quit. Laodicea served the living Christ who walked among them in their worship services and they believed they were fine. Self-deception, even in the midst of Christ. We are coming to a time where the enemy is going to bring a grand delusion and deception. And if we maintain ourselves and our information based, oh, but pastor, it's Christian, based on this information that is continually coming to you instead of getting it from the Word of God. We've got to be careful. Do you know how many divisions, like I said, in our church alone? We're all in our bubbles. So we've got Democrats and Republicans in this body. Oh, how can that be? Based on my information, the Democrats are from hell. Oh yeah, based on my information that I get and Google shows me continually, you Republicans have lied about this and that. What are we going to do about it? Everybody wants me to preach. Who's right? Because based on my information, wait, oh, let me get to another bubble that will offend everybody. You ready? Vaccines. Ah, if you understood vaccines like I understand vaccines, based on my algorithms and everybody that tells me what to do, because I listen. I got a vaccine, and I don't think I can come to church anymore because everybody hates me. They think I took the mark of the beast. You think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm not. And so we've bubble people based on the algorithms you've brought in into your brain and reinforced day in and day out. We're fighting each other. This has got to stop. This is crazy. This isn't the word of the Lord, and we need to deal with it. Because my question to you is this, who's blowing your bubble? If Elijah could ha have this happen to him, if Laodicea could happen, what's happening to us day in and day out? But you don't understand, Pastor. I listen to Christian information on my phone. You know what's interesting in this struggle? Barna Report just recently released that 38% of pastors, this is two out of five, every two out of five pastors in the United States are considering quitting in the last year. The church can't afford to lose more pastors. 38% are ready to quit. Can I tell you why they're ready to quit? They can't compete with the conspiracy theories and the opinions of the people in the pews that are coming against them. Everybody's got an opinion. Pastor, you don't understand what you're talking about. According to my, in, my information, 
this is what is right. And so routinely, pastors are getting sent websites and information, books, YouTubes, and everything else for them to watch so that they get it right and preach it right based on your feeds. How about we get it from him and his feeds? There's another problem. In the medical world, we're losing doctors. Doctors and nurses and people in the medical profession are quitting at an alarming rate. One in five primary care physicians surveyed said that they are going to retire early or they at least know 15% say they're going to leave their practice because they're tired of being identified as evil or the enemy. Doctors who are trying to save people's lives, trying to help people, are now, remember at the beginning of COVID we called them heroes? Now they're demons because they're evil medical people who are out to kill everyone through this conspiracy. But like I said, we're, we're, we're getting our information from reputable people. Are we? Are you sure about that? Yeah, they're a doctor. Yeah, they're a prophet. Yeah, they're an apostle. It says so. It's interesting that in 2019, according to MIT Technology Review and Relevant Magazine, 19 of Facebook's top 20 pages for American Christians were infiltrated by Eastern European troll farms overseas. On Facebook, 19 of the 20 top Christian sites were being hacked by information from foreign trollers. Christians were picking up on this and arguing with each other based on misinformation sent by people who are not even Christians. The data shows that the vast spread of Facebook misinformation is largely powered by coordinated efforts among foreign professionals working together to, to spread provocative content in the United States. Our platform has given the largest voice in the Christian American community to a handful of bad actors who, based on their media production practices, have never been to church. We're getting duped. Now again, you have to learn how to research. You have to learn how to study. But we're getting stirred up. Why? Because they want to see this nation crumble and put us all into unique bubbles and continue to splinter and separate people. There is a grand delusion. It's called deception. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says, The coming of the lawless one will be accompanied by the working of Satan with every kind of power, sign, and false wonder. Every kind of power, sign, and false wonder, and with all wickedness, for strong delusion for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Remember, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And here's the key about deception, and I'm really worried about the church, because we will call out what is blatantly evil, and we should, and we'll believe what's being fed on from the other side over here. But you've got to watch the deception. The thing about a dragon is this, the head is ugly and obvious, but most of us don't recognize 
the tail. Can I be so bold as to say something I have already? In a two-party system in this nation, we look at one party as the head, so we run to the other. But I suggest to you that under this world system, both parties lead to the same place. Google it. You don't belong to this world. You belong to a kingdom where our information should never change. Our eyes should never be taken off of whom? The author and perfecter of our faith. Keep your eyes on him. The information you're getting, check, double check, and ask him. Ask the Holy Spirit. Learn the Holy Spirit. The key here is truth. The word shall make you free. Thy word, O Lord, is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. We need to be studying the word of God. What does the Lord say? What does the body of Christ say together? What's the Lord saying to his church? And so the remedy is to communicate one to another what the word of God is speaking. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. We must study the word of God. Stop studying the most popular pastor you're listening to. Stop studying this guy or that guy who is your favorite trading card prophet. Listen and read the word of God, please. Please. We must come against the things that are dividing us. The key to the church is Hebrews 10.24. Let us consider how to spur one another on to love and to do good deeds. Let us not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. We're, we're in such a culture where people don't disagree anymore. They, they don't communicate about their disagreements. They shun each other. We don't even have discussions about what we don't agree on. We just simply say you're an idiot or you're a, a, a this is great on YouTube for, for the church, you're a heretic. Have you noticed how many preachers now are basically just pointing out all the heretics in the church? Right? I mean, you can't look up a preacher without finding out, oh, he's a heretic because he said this. and he's a. You can take anybody's message and pull something out of it and say he's a heretic. Now, we do have to understand it, but what I'm saying is we're just dividing and dividing and dividing. We've got no grace for each other. And we may disagree, so let's talk about it. No, I'd rather be in my bubble. So I'm concerned about this. Please, let's pay attention. I, I close with an illustration. I spent six years in art school. I have a bachelor's degree in commercial illustration. I have a master's degree in sculpting. And going through art school, we would have assignments which we were to create pieces of art. And at the end of the week, when we were done with our pieces of art, we would have critiques. And so at the end of the week, everybody would bring in their painting or their drawing or their sculpture, and the class would gather around, and you would set it up in front, and we would have critiques on what they thought about your piece. Oh, that was lovely, wasn't it? That was great. 
and everybody would share their opinion. Well, wh what happens after a while is, you know, at first, everybody's scared to death, or everybody's like, I don't like it, I think it's stupid, or someone will say, well, I would have done it blue, you know, whatever. After a while, after learning how to critique, they became helpful. And you were no longer afraid of it, but you were realizing that they're all there, you're putting it out, because possibly someone could help it become better. And so we would critique the artwork, and we'd say, that's beautiful, that's great. Begin to edify, exhort, encourage people. Say, well, but maybe you should have done this over here. I never thought of that. And it could improve. This is what dialogue does for us. Iron sharpens iron. This is what the church does. You know, I'm thinking, I've heard this. What do you think about it? Well, I have a problem with that. I'd consider this. But see, if you're not having discussions with anybody, you're just getting the information from something you're listening to. You have to learn to dialogue and critique the opinions and share information so that we can spur one another on and grow. I hope you understand my heart in this. And I close with this as Elijah went to see God. He said, why are you here? It's a really good question, don't you think? Why are you on this mountain when I met you on that mountain? I showed up and defeated the prophets of Baal. What happened to you? Same with Laodicea. Who are you listening to? And so church, I conclude with this. Who are you listening to? Do you love your enemies? Do you esteem others more highly than yourself? Are you living the principles of Christ? Because we can say we believe in Jesus, but we treat one another and estrange ourselves from one another. And that's not what Christ would have. So I pray this morning that God pops all of our bubbles and brings us as one body to the truth of his word. Amen? Let's bow our heads.